Time for digital, digital, get down. Welcome to spring. The thaw has begun. We think. Maybe. I don't trust it. I don't trust the weather. You told me it was warm out, and I said, I don't trust the air, and I put a scarf on. <laughs> so that's what so Minnesota gets you. You're fitting in well around here. We've had a busy couple of weeks. Well, we've had two weeks since we podcasted, one week since we posted it. Because. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> We have a very intense editing process here, and it just takes time sometimes. Our fucking editor and our fucking uh, producer, producer, our sound uh, mixer, the intern. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, give me a fucking drink. Um, we got so much stuff to to cover. We've done a lot of things. You met a royal. Don't don't ruin my good news. Oh, you're gonna save that for good news. That's my only good news. Okay. Um, I also went to an indoor mini golf that's next to a bar. Yep. That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I won, obviously. What else did we do this week? We went to a concert last week. I was going to mention our concerts, yeah. Just as a general helpful tip for people out there, it's okay to go to a concert drunk, but do not get in line at the box office. <laughs> While drunk at a concert to buy tickets for another concert. I think it was a great choice. And we avoided all the fees. All it the was nice. Fees. Yeah. Talk to a real human being, not a computer. Yeah. At a small venue, it's fine. If you were at like a, a Broadway theater, that could be a little bit trickier though. True. So open up a tab and just put your card <laughs> over. Oh man. Uh, it's a big day for me tomorrow. A pretty big Big tennis. day for fans. <laughs> big day for tennis. <laughs> We were robbed today. We should have had... I was robbed. We should have had Rafa and Roger. And Rafa, the more injury-prone of the two, fact, not opinion, as they say on Boston Sports Radio. You were just talking about how you gave up sports radio. Don't go back to that. Dropped out and let Roger walk into the final. Not the first dropout. No. In a later match. For him? Monfi. Oh, True. Dominic Team got a walkover thanks to a, to a withdrawal. He loves himself Do some recycled plastic. I need to buy you that shirt. You should ask for that shirt for your birthday. I almost yeah. bought it for you um, during the Australian Open, and then I didn't. Uh, so yeah, my two boys going head to head. I don't even know what to do. Who are you gonna cheer for? I don't even know what to do. Who are you gonna cheer for? The young upstar who loves the ocean and has a cool teal shirt, mm. or the old favorite? Yeah. Who stole your heart and never gave it back? I've been reading a lot of rom-coms today, literally today. Um, I read two books today, and do you want to be mad about it for a second? No. How many pages? I assume they were short stories. How many pages? 15 pages each. 30, total of 30. 704 pages. Just get off this podcast. I'm solo the rest of the day. Plus the fan fiction that I read this morning, which didn't even count, and that had a high word count. Well, I watched half of the TV show Barry without you. So there. Barry? basic. Barry? As in, um, what's his face uh, on HBO? Uh, what's his face? Trainwreck with... Uh, <laughs> Barack Obama. No. Barry is his nickname. No, all the impressions from... Uh, Stefan from SNL. Bill Hader? Yeah, Bill Hader, thank you. Got it. Um, no thoughts to share yet. It's only eight episodes, so I got a few more to go. 
I meant to start watching a show today, and I didn't, so. Cool story, Hansel. <laughs> Somebody um, had the whole TV with tennis. It's a big day. day. It turned into a three-hour match. I have to say, though, I'm now in the camp that uh, Grand Slam majors should be three sets. Men's three sets is so much better to, to experience. Oh, because this isn't a Grand Slam. It's just no. a regular slam. It's, a, slam. it's part of the Sunshine Swing. They play California and then Florida. Um, when they come into Minnesota. They never do. Mm. Uh, we got Hulu back after making such a big deal about getting through all our Hulu shows. I think we needed the deadline to finish some shows. Oh, definitely. But now Spotify is just giving you Hulu for free if you pay for Spotify. Whatever. Won't oh, complain. I thought it was through T-Mobile. No. T-Mobile, you're supposed to get Netflix, and we don't because we pay less for T-Mobile, not their full price. Right. We tried to get that, and they said we already had one, like, one yeah. deal or whatever. Exactly. Um, so, but they give mm. us MLB TV. True. I've also decided I'm going to become a hockey fan. We'll see how long that sticks. Yeah. You put it on the background today and I tolerated it. So I think... <laughs> Baby steps. Baby steps. Um, before I, I start us off into news, you need to give us 60 seconds on Darren Chris. We never did this. What about? There was a major event that you never talked about on the podcast. <gasps> His wedding? <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I 60 did seconds. Clock starts. Core Instagram stalking for this. Hardcore. Can so, I do a quick impression? Who who is this bitch? <laughs> who did, how does she even know them? Why why is she in this picture? I'm she's not prettier than me. I could be there. If she's can get there, then I could get there. It's true. Are you done? Accurate. That was pretty accurate. That was a weak moment. You were not supposed to share that with the whole world. That bitch! <laughs> She's um, in all the pictures. You're taking up my 60 seconds. Um, they had the most ridiculous wedding weekend of all time. And it was very them. I would have hated every second of it if it was our wedding. Um, you're, you keep saying I have 60 seconds and you keep opening your mouth. I didn't say anything. You were making a face like you were going to comment. So, um, everyone looks so happy to be there. Who did there. he marry? Was it Leah Michelle? Get out of here. She was there. She sang them a beautiful song with John Stamos. Good thing it wasn't Lori Laughlin. All right. It was beautiful. They looked beautiful. They looked so happy. Darren looked so happy. There was a lot of costume changes. Mia looked fan-fucking-tastic. They had their first song. They, like, played their first song instead of dancing to it, which I approve of, and it was cool. Um, their friends all got to like, go up and sing songs for them, which seemed amazing. Their friends seemed to really enjoy it. Their friends seemed like they had the best time. Mm -hmm. As you know, you know, I'm all for wedding weekends if it's, like, a long, like, a this little bit away. This was extreme, This was though. a little bit extreme. There was, like, an airboat experience. There was... Various stages of the evening that went to like two in the morning, which also would not approve of. But it seemed really cool. I do not know how they pulled it all off. Money, I guess, is the answer. But you wouldn't think they would be like that rich. Uh, you win an Emmy, I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm just saying, like, just the amount of planning. Though, that's what I mean. That was more. And the what? amount that they were in charge of, like, they emceed their own wedding. Oh. So to me, that sounds terrible. But it looked amazing. I absolutely stalked every single Instagram post that I could find of, like, mm -hmm. every tangential person. Um, and you found them. I found them. And I'm just really happy for them. They just looked very, very happy. And it just looked like it was, like, the best fucking time of their lives. So I'm happy. And then, just to set the record straight, Leah Michelle then went and married the first guy she found on the street a month later. Correct? 
been dating for years. Sure, sure. That's that's mean. Sure. They've been dating for a long time. Okay. But it is a little weird that it was like they've a both got later. their beards now, so that's great. Um, Stop, you're not helping. Are we ready for newses now? I guess so. Okay. You you kick off on your good news. So what happened this week? I was hugged multiple times by First Lady Michelle Obama. I'm calling her First Lady because I don't think it's fair that the men get to be called President for forever, and the First Ladies have to be called Former First Lady. <clears throat> and these were consensual hugs. Yes. Yep. Um, well, like prostitution-like hugs. Wait, what? You, I paid her to oh, hug me. Correct. I paid her to hug me. So there's some consent <laughs> issues there. You, she's you. Just, okay. Yep. Moving on. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's an apt adjective. Like there was payment involved for physical. Right. For physical affection. Yeah, we've made a paste. I'm, I've made a post on Facebook with the picture of you and Michelle. It's also on my Instagram and on Bookstagram. And, and some people seem to think that you just, like, happen to run in, in circles that also include Michelle Obama. I mean, your comment was, my wife is high society, so yeah. you, you asked for that. Uh, I uh, did see the mayor a lot of times. Uh-huh. The St. Paul mayor. And you got close with Secret Service and stuff, you So said. many Secret Service. Um, but yeah, when we were wondering, you know, if people thought, you know, this just happened by accident, I said, no, I had to Lori Laughlin that up. Yeah. But actually, um, and I probably did take the spot of a black person who more deserved my spot. Okay. Anyway, just adding on to the Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. It was very short. I had since, what, December to figure out what to say and still did not know what to say to her. Yep. Um, because it was as I expected where I had like a minute tops. So there was not time to like get into anything. Yeah. And if I you had also, had a script, it would have not gone according to plan and you would have been upset. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get it out or it would have come out awkward or really forced or something. Uh, I also had people that I told that I was meeting her, like people from back home being like, oh, you have to ask her to come to your school and you can get on the Ellen show. And I was like, I'm not going to be like a white lady that exploits that so that Michelle Obama like feels bad for me. Yeah. No. Um, of course, like, afterwards, so the meet and greet was before her, like, book tour uh, stadium thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... First book tour to ever be an arena tour? It was called an intimate conversation with Michelle Obama, and it was a fucking stadium, so... Yeah. But anyways, of course, like, after, as I'm waiting for the show to start, and then as the show's going on, I'm thinking of, like, what the perfect things to say would have been. Like, once you know what the what the stipulations of the interaction are, it's easy to, like, look no, back on it. No second guess. It's easy to look back on it and be like, oh, this is how it should have gone, but... I basically was just like, this was my birthday present, and then she gave me a second hug and put her face really close to my face Mm -hmm. and said, happy birthday, sweetie, and gave me like a tight hug. Mm -hmm. And then um, we took a photo that did not come out as bad as I expected. I thought it was going to be real You said the first photo probably did. He was like, oh, let's take another one. (laughs) So I was like, the first photo must have been really bad. I probably either wasn't looking at him because I've got Michelle fucking Obama next to me. Why am I looking at this random photographer dude? She's tall. Um... Or I had scary eyes. Mm. Uh, or both. The second one, I'm still not quite looking at the camera, but it, it seems like a little bit more natural. Um, and we're both laughing because they made a joke about having like some sort of birthday like uh, special effects uh-huh. for people who was their birthday present because there's a lot of people in line around me that it was like a birthday-related thing. Anyways, and then she said thank you, and then she like looked me in the eye, and I stared at her for way too long, and then she kind of like 
gently <laughs> nudged me away so she could go get the next person. And then I just walked in a daze and then I got in the elevator and then I cried. Um, side note, so they gave us the password for the entire photo album of everyone who went. Yes. Just the most fascinating cross-section of humanity. People are just weird. I mean, you watch TV and movies, and I was walking around Target today, and they actually had a really good uh, percentage of, like, um, different sized models in terms of the, you know, the clothing departments. Like mannequins, you mean? Um, No, like the photograph models. Yeah. But even that, they all still have beautiful faces and their features are like all in proportion to the rest of their body. Mm-hmm. But this slideshow of middle America was just like, we are a weird fucking race of people. Yes. A species of animal. Yes. And we are just all strange little things. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just very strange because, like, Michelle Obama does not change. She still has this beautiful sheer outfit on and is making, like, a friendly face and has her arm around people. But everyone else's face has changed. And you're just like, people are weird. There's this one selfie that I don't know if I could find this quickly. But there's this one selfie of me next to a friend of mine. And our faces are very close together. And you look at it and you're like, we're both white. And, like, from a distance, you would think, like, we kind of look alike. Uh-huh. And then when you put our faces next to each other, you're just like, how are you with the same species? Like your face, our faces just look such like different Again, shapes. This is an au- this is an audio podcast. I'm f- not for the people. I was going to show you what I'm talking about and I can't okay. find it. Anyway, people um, are weird. I don't really have many good news, but I'm going to put this forward since... Um, on occasion, this is an InSync tribute podcast. Okay. Um, there is going to be a movie potentially made uh, being spearheaded by the one and only Lance Bass. I'm sorry, is this a news? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, evidently, a group of girls went on to a game show and then won an RV so that they were allowed to follow around InSync on their final tour together. And then InSync found out that the girls were going to be bankrupted because on game shows you later find out how much the tax is on the free automobile they give you. Right. And InSync paid for the tax. And there is going to be a movie based on that, a road trip comedy. I don't get it. Um, based on the yeah. fact that InSync paid for them or based on the fact Just the that... kooky story apparently. Okay. And InSync music will play a major role in the film. Okay. Yeah. That's a very weird story. Um, bad news. We're gonna do a quick fantasy baseball hour. Okay. A quick hour. The Red the Sox. Hours are all the, same. the Red Sox just had a pitcher uh, suspended for half the year for uh, steroids or for uh, illegal substance, I should say. The really sad part of it is that it is their knuckleballer, which you would think Why? would be the one. Why does he need this? The steroids? one baseball player who really would not uh, benefit Why? much from Why that. Why does he need the steroids? He says it was some trace of some stu- substance that he didn't even know. That's what um, they all say. I know. My trainer gave it to me. I didn't know what it was. Can um, you get a new argument. Also, since the nineties, dude. You had a, a crush on Joe Kelly for a hot minute back in October. Any recollection of that? Joe the Kelly, glasses. the glasses, yeah, the glasses? run out of the bullpen. With the hair? Yeah. Uh, signed with the Dodgers. Okay. 
who they played in the World Series, obviously, uh, is missing a couple of spring training games because he pulled a back muscle making Cajun crawfish for his teammates. I pulled out my left shoulder today catching you as you fell on ice. Oh, man. We got out of the car and I went down. Not even out of the car. Like, uh, like you got a few steps, so you got a little <sighs> more confident, and then you fell. Um, more bad news. You're right. Uh, what else do you have? I'm going to go in increasing order of badness. Nice. Um, I can't believe you didn't talk about Alec Trebek. Oh, gosh. I've tried to block it out. It's Alex, too. But Alec Trebek works much better. Not his name. Okay. Um, That's your least bad news? Pretty much. Oh, my gosh. The Jaguar selfie lady? Yeah. You had a field day with that one, too. Why? People are so fucking dumb. I'm just glad that the zoo was, like, not going to punish the jaguar. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes some zoos have, like, rules or sometimes there's, like, public outcry and it's, like, the animal needs to be put down. Harembe or, or whatever that one was that yes. everyone went crazy about. Um, this lady, like, climbed past a fence to try and get a selfie with a jaguar and then the jaguar, like, ripped up her arm. It was nasty. You could see, like, all of her fat, like, coming out. Like, her skin was just all the way ripped open down to the... Thanks, honey. It was great. Um... Did you see the Cradle Act about paid leave for no. maternity leave? Uh-uh. It's paid maternity leave, but it comes out of your social security, and then you have to then work longer years when you're older to, to, to earn that That's money back. That's fun. That's just so, an idea being floated, so or? unpaid leave. Right. Pre, yeah, pre-benefit. It's the same thing as just borrowing money from your retirement account. Correct. Early withdrawal. So it's not paid leave. No. It's bullshit. And the worst bad news mm -hmm. is obviously the New Zealand's mosque shooting. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of hot takes on it. A lot of things got confused with the Chelsea Clinton thing. Mm -hmm. Got real confusing. Uh, somehow it got made all about Chelsea Clinton because she was at a vigil and giving a speech and somebody called her out for the fact that she has been making anti-Muslim statements lately in relation to Ilhan Omar, the Minnesota right. um, representative. And now all of a sudden everyone's like giving sympathy for Chelsea Clinton for people being mad at her. And now I'm doing it too. Um, anyway, so I don't have a lot to say. New Zealand is one of our favorite places that we visited. Now, I always and assumed that like New Zealand and Australia had m most of the same, at least, types of legislation. Like, gun control was very prevalent in Australia. Is it not in New Zealand? Um, it is in New Zealand, but they don't have bans on any specific types of automatic weapons. Hmm. Um, so, supposedly, they are going to put a semi-automatic weapon ban in place because of this. Mm -hmm. Um but I was going to say New Zealand is one of the favorite places that we've been around the world. And I'm probably going to like cry just trying to talk about it or just trying to think about it. But some of the stories that are coming out is just horrible. Like the, the one that gets me whether or not it's true or not is that the door greeter person opened it and said like peace brother mm -hmm. to the person coming in who then shot him. And it's just, it's horrific. The it's social just, media aspect is what scares me the most. The radicalizing of people? No, the fact that he was live streaming it and it took time for them to take it down. He live streamed it? Yes, he had a, a head camera on. I didn't know that. Um, especially for that city too. It's already been a city That's facing. Been trying to rebuild. Yeah. And, mm. um, we've been there. It's a city that we've been to. 
mm-hmm. went to church there. Yep. We, we celebrated Easter Sunday there. So that's basically would be the equivalent, I suppose. Yeah. Like we were at a, a place of worship in that city. Um, so it's just horrifying that they purposely picked a place and a time where people would be defenseless. Like there, there's not much more other than sleeping. There's not much more defenseless you can be than being an, a silent prayer um, that you go to every week. I don't know. I don't really have any uh, enlightening commentary on it. That's okay. But I just think it's horrifying and I think the fact that so many people in this country and in the world don't see white supremacy and the ideologies that go with that as a problem Mm -hmm. and are so quick to write it off when it's a white person doing the shooting as this was just a lone wolf who, you know, had a tough life and whatever, whatever. But as soon as it's, you know, a person of color doing the shooting, it's, it's their whole race's problem. Uh, it just gets frustrating, especially when he literally comes out and says that it's because of his views of, of like on white supremacy and flashes mm-hmm. the white supremacy symbol, uh, at his court hearing and, like, what more evidence or facts in your face do you need that this person was radicalized by an ideology that's supported by our current president and and that so many people in this country don't see as a threat? And this person who just killed 49 people is just telling you that's exactly why he committed the crime that he did. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the solution here is, but mm-hmm. uh, what's not the solution is, oh, there's good people on both sides, that kind of bullshit. Whew. Okay. Do we have any sponsors this week? Our perpetual sponsor for Infinity. Never lets us down. Is Book Digits. B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. Um, you can track your to-read list. Mine has got over a thousand books on it at the yeah. moment. I'm up to got 600 it. ratings. I'm going to put in a feature that books. blocks you at a certain number. Cool. I'll block you. <laughs> Um, so you can track your to read list. You can see how you're, um, doing on your goal for the year. I'm five books ahead of schedule. Three over here. Um, you can see how many pages you're up to. You can see how you're doing with your achievements. Mm -hmm. I still need another 3000 something pages. So I'm not even that close to my next achievement. Somebody is already in the diamond club. It's no Susan. Susan, you the bomb. Elizabeth messaged me about how angry she was about it. Yep. Um, and you can get some book recommendations if you don't know what to read, if your to list is too small. Mm-hmm. Do you have a small to, to, to read list just to balance my enormous to read list? Is that how this relationship works? I just It just brings me so much calm. Okay, Marie Kondo. When I click, okay, I started reading this book and I see that number go down by one, I just go, whew, I get shivers. Okay. In a good way. Okay. Yeah. OCD um, all the way. Um, okay. Should we talk about the I think we need to talk about TV special thing yeah. since we're getting into something serious? Sure. So, uh, a year ago probably. How when did this come out? Um, I think a year ago probably. About a year ago probably. Everyone was talking about saying you have to watch this Hannah Gatsby comedy special on Netflix. You have yep. to. And we were just like, yeah, okay, we'll put that on our to-do list. We'll put it on our Netflix queue. Then we didn't have Netflix for a while. True. 
and we finished everything on Hulu so we could go back to Netflix. We now have both anyways, but... So she did the performance uh, in 2017, or that's when she, she wrote it, and it came onto Netflix uh, last June. Yeah, so about almost less, a little bit less than a year ago, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, and I thought, well, sure, we'll watch a comedy special sometime, like I need to watch this. You then realize that we've actually seen her stand up in a very small comedy club in Melbourne. Yeah, one where like um, all the people had like five minutes to do a bit and then that was it. Yeah, and she was decently famous at that point even, I think. She was one of like the... The headliners, headliners of that. Will. I remember talking about golf, lesbians, and Box Hill. That's all I remember. Yes, and about like lesbian clothing as related to golf. Yeah. And yeah, definitely some jokes about Box Hill and mm -hmm. about where she, like, where she lived and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was very short. It was probably like 30 people. Like it was a very small venue. In the audience, you're saying? In the audience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember really liking her. And I was like, are you sure it's her? And then we like pulled up the picture. I was like, oh, that was definitely her. So it took us until now to finally watch it. Mm -hmm. um, you had this idea of like, oh, we'll just save it for the podcast sometime. Because it's like a even shorter than movie. Yeah. Um, so we watched it last night. Yep. In hindsight, that may have been a mistake in terms of my emotional preparedness. I tried to give you a little bit of a warning. I was not prepared uh, from your warning or from in my own head or I don't know. I actually had a pretty good day at school yesterday, but I went straight out after work in kind of a stressful manner um, to go to the mini golf thing and then mm -hmm. came home and had dinner and settled in to watch this funny comedy special mm -hmm. and it ended with me just like sobbing on the couch and and prompted a like two hour debate, long serious yeah. debate and discussion between us that went far too late into the night on a Friday after a long week. All uh, true. And lots of tension. <laughs> yes. Um so if you have no idea what we're talking about, first of all Pause this podcast, get your ass to your couch and your TV and watch this. Mm -hmm. uh, watch this special. But it is Hannah Gadsby, who is a comedian from Australia. and The special is called Nanette. And all this time I had, su had assumed it was talking about her grandmother. And that was an Australian word for grandmother. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a person. I assumed, I knew that it was a lot about kind of political and um, gender stuff. But I assumed it was her... Discussing those things like through the lens of her grandmother or her relationship with her grandmother. Her really? grandmother does feature in it she very does. briefly. She does. I don't think her name was Nanette. No. She comes um, out on stage and says, I name my shows before I write them. This one's called Nanette. It shouldn't be. Or something like that. Yeah. But this girl that I thought would be important, she wasn't. She's not. No. Um, this, I don't even want to call it a comedy special. It's not a comedy special. This uh, spoken word piece. It's... I was thinking about this earlier. It's, I mean, it's part comedy special. It's part like TED Talk almost. Yeah. It's part art history lesson. Confessional. And it's part like... Confessional. Yeah. yeah. Um, storytelling or something. Memoir on stage kind of. Yeah. yeah. One, one, one woman show. Yeah. Um, like, tore my heart out. Mm-hmm. She is a fucking genius. Oh, yeah. In the way that she builds up the show... I'm going to cry. The way that she builds up the show and she starts off with these jokes and these stories and these little bits. And then she kind of starts to get angry and call out the audience a little bit and tell mm -hmm. some more serious commentary. Uh, and then she starts talking about quitting comedy. And you're like, what the fuck 
she talking about? That had been the thing that I had heard about again and again was that Hannah Gatsby quit comedy in the middle of her her big Netflix special. And I was always like confused and kind of skeptical about that. I was like, yeah, is it just a gimmick or something? Um, So then she slowly gets more serious. She goes on a couple angry rants that just have you like can't look away. And then at the end, she basically like sucker punches you by going back and telling the real versions of these stories that she's made jokes out of. And they're just horrific. And she basically is like, this is why at this point, comedy is the problem because when you take these stories and you try and make them into something funny you're you're taking away the the painful parts of them and it and sometimes that works because it gets people to listen or it it breaks the tension of these Mm -hmm. awful stories but you're not getting the full the full story the full understanding of it and she goes into like the real stories behind the jokes and then basically calls out the audience for like you laughed at my joke before this is the real story this Mm -hmm. is what i've been carrying around inside of me that i felt too ashamed to share with people or felt that i had to turn it into a joke so that people would listen because otherwise my voice wasn't important right you're just like holy fucking shit yeah and she also talks about how turning the things into jokes affects her as the person who did experience them that changes how it's captured in her mind because Um, I don't know, the way it gets stored, I guess, when it becomes a joke. Yeah, the confusion between what actually happened and and the version that she tells everyone, and Mm -hmm. also the fact that the part that she's sharing isn't the painful part. Like, she still is stuck with the painful part inside her. And as she's telling the joke, she knows that she's not sharing the parts that hurt the most yeah and the way she was kind of saying it is that when you tell the joke you give that part of the story away and she was giving all of the light-hearted parts of the stories away and keeping all of the worst parts inside of her right and how that was eating away at her and god she was just brutally honest at the end and just like just sets you up where you did laugh at the jokes at the beginning yeah or at least kind of chuckle or like i don't know like give like you're like yeah that's a that's a yeah. funny story like and then at the end she's like you laughed at that joke didn't you this is what really happened i got the shit beat out of me or uh i don't even remember all yeah. the other ones off to my head but you're just like Pain. um and there's like a meta quality to it too because she she kind of describes what she's doing or what she's about to do like when she does talk about um maintaining tension throughout her shows yeah. um and so yeah it's a lot. It was a lot, and it's she eases you into it. It starts as more of a typical comedy show. I love show. the beginning, especially when she talks about trying to identify with her people, meaning uh, the gay and lesbian crowds, because I always think to myself, when you see um, you know, queer culture displayed either in the media, like on television movies, or at big festivals and things, I always think... That looks fucking exhausting. <laughs> like to like St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so she talks about how she identifies more with tire than with any gender or anything else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that part. So she has some lighthearted bits that are like uh kind of serious but kind of kind of funny, like her yeah. normal comedy. And that was more reminiscent to what like we had seen of her. Mm-hmm. But she talks about that too. Like she talks about how like her first show was all about coming out and how she had to kind of make it a joke because that 
because that's what's expected of comedy or that's how she felt that she could process it and share it with people in an acceptable format. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, how that was not the full story about how um, she had all these issues with her relationship with her mom about how she never told her grandma because she didn't feel like she would be accepted and it wasn't worth and all in australia and apparently tasmania specifically where she's from has a very very dark history like homosexual homosexuality was a crime until 1997 yeah so she talks about how she makes jokes about it but then in reality it was like the the entire community around her believed that she'd be better off dead than gay Mm -hmm. and that she was like sent by the devil and all of this horrible stuff and about how those jokes still kind of like feed into that idea that the jokes are funny or um, poignant or like scandalizing. Yeah. Because that still is the accepted idea by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that she never fit in anywhere and she feels like she never will fit in anywhere. God, it was just brutal. And then the art history discussion, which seems like it's going to be a gag joke, you know, making fun of this degree she got two decades ago and the fact that she might need a new career now and has nowhere to go. But then she, like, gives you this crash course on... Misogyny in art history. history, yeah. And the academic And mental health and ties in to all the themes of the show. Um, And it, it all circles back to that again and again. So I learned a lot. And very intersectional in terms of um, LGBT and like misogyny and sexism and mental health mm-hmm. and and yeah, same thing. She has this way of of just kind of long con this long game of what do you setting think? Up a joke. What do you think the audience was thinking in the Sydney Opera House? I don't know because she, it was in the Sydney Opera House mm-hmm. because she like jokingly called out the men in the audience a few times and then at the end. She, like, very much looked them in the eye and was like, men, shape the fuck up. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, she she does a good job of the tension. But then at the end, she purposely kind of leaves you with the tension of, like, don't just forget about this and be like, oh, that was a weird comedy special. Like, yeah. But that you need to, to do something about it or just empathize with people or, or hear her story her, and the full story, not the funny, jokey, shareable little clip of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't remember them showing a lot of the audience towards the end. No. Um, probably because everyone was just staring at her, either stunned or crying. Yeah, you could tell some people didn't know when to laugh or when not to laugh. Um, the other thing I keep thinking about is like, what does it take to practice that type of thing? It, she must have treated it like a one-woman show. That was a good good call-out by you because it was more of a theater performance, and but yet it still felt, for the most part, sort of loosely scripted. Yes. It like, it seemed like she rehearsed. knew where she needed to go with it, but, like, she flubbed some li- some lines and some and, deliveries and stuff. And it wasn't like very the clean. Rant, and some of the rants, she had to cut herself off in order yeah. to, like, get to her next line or whatever. I wish it had been longer, to be honest. It's an hour and, like, eight minutes or something. I wish she continued with some of the rants that she cut Mm. herself off. It's a little bit, it's, well, a lot of bit different, but it's reminding me of, like, um, Dear Evan Hansen with Ben Platt and why everyone was so impressed with him because every night he, like, got up on stage and just, like, fucking sobbed his way through Act 2. And it kind of felt like that. I'm like, how much fucking balls does it take to get out there and basically have, like, a therapy session with, with the entire yeah. world yeah. and be 
crying and still going through and sharing like your most painful, horrible things that have happened to you that nobody should ever have to have happened to them, never mind tell everybody in public about it. And to get up there and to keep going and to like know her lines and I don't know. Mm. My so yeah, go my ahead. other takeaway at the end of it was like I'm impressed that it got um produced or uh yeah I don't know how to say it when it's Netflix but I know what you played mean. yeah I don't know how it got played like it doesn't seem super palatable like netflix who's like we're gonna cancel one day at a time because we don't have enough budget for this tiny little sitcom we make that they were like yes we'll put this show up where this girl calls out like this very like a um, big audience a big sector of their audience yeah basically (laughs) this like gender non-traditional lesbian calls out so many of the issues in, in the patriarchy that all of the, the white male execs at Netflix are benefiting from. Yeah. And the fact that they greenlit that and um, not that they shouldn't. I'm just saying it's I, it seems very radical. And I think that's what the good side of some of these streaming services is. Mm-hmm. Is that you are allowed to be a little bit more Take some more chances Or take on, some yeah. more chances sure. with things like that. Like it can't have cost that much to just film her doing that. And I'm sure like her cost uh was not as high as like fucking ellen degeneres or whoever um so so mm, go ahead i did struggle in some ways mentally coming out of it we don't have two hours to get into it no we'll do an abridged version my my main concern is that i don't think her purpose was to make straight white men feel guilty but i left it feeling guilty i think that was her purpose it was maybe not guilt is the right word yeah but i think part of her purpose was to call out the straight white men uh for not realizing um how problematic they can be or how how much they feed into the patriarchy so i yeah i felt i feel shameful from it um but i I also feel was that she didn't want other people to feel ashamed for anything so i don't think that she wants you to feel shame necessarily. I just think she wants you to feel exposed. I think exposed is the right word. But not me in particular. Men at large. Correct. Do not not all men this. I know that's a thing. And in all honesty, sometimes I do veer towards that. Well, it's human nature. There's a reason that that's such a, like, almost a joke at this point. Is that it is human nature to be like, well, I don't do that. Yeah. Like... Well, I'm not racist. Well, I'm not sexist. Like, it's human nature to do that. But you have to kind of fight through that and acknowledge the the system that you're a part of that you benefit from. And that people like Hannah Gadsby do not benefit from. Mm-hmm. I'm a call to action guy, though. What do I do about it? Don't be shitty. I wanted her to stay on stage for 10 more minutes and tell me what to do. But she shouldn't have to do that. You have to do some of the work. She Uh, cannot do all the work for you. She can't print out a to-do list and mail it to every white man in the world. I would follow that. I am such a good follower. Yes, but that's the point is that, like, people that are on the margins, like, have to do so much of the work already for other people to get them to understand. Uh Like, you didn't go seek out, um, like academic works about LGBT exclusion from uh, 
Tasmanian communities. Like no. it had to come to you on Netflix where you could just press play. Like she but I already listened. That was a good thing to do. Right. But she already did that work of sharing the emotional work that she has done of sharing that story and having to keep reliving it every time anyone wants to talk to her about it. Mm -hmm. And every time she had to practice it is much more emotional work than the hour that you sat and felt uncomfortable. So people of color or LGBT people like have already done so much of the work. They can't do all of it for you. You have to then figure out your next steps on your own. You can't expect them to tell you exactly what to do. I just want some advice. I want something to get me started because I don't feel like listening and watching is enough. It's so passive. So tell other people to mm. listen and watch. You think that's one, one mechanism? And just like list, like hear her story. Don't spend the whole time being defensive about like, well, I would never do that. Like, like get past that and just like listen to her story and empathize with her. Even if that could never happen to you, empathize with the person that it did happen to and, and I think I tried to do empathy that. for human beings in general, even if they're yeah. not like you, especially in the wake of the, the New Zealand shooting. Um, and that's a big thing that Michelle Obama talked about at her um, event as well was like, she called out the mostly white crowd for gentrification mm -hmm. and how, um, or reverse gentrification, how, yeah, like white flight right. she was discussing specifically when uh, white people start leaving a neighborhood because too many black people or too many other people move in, too many immigrants move in or whatever. And because they're afraid of what's different. And she was basically like, you were afraid of me, the future first lady mm -hmm. who was like a fucking eight year old little girl. And she shows a picture and she's adorable. And it's like, this is what people were afraid of. Like, don't be afraid of what's different than you. Mm -hmm. Like try and find what you have in common, like empathize with these people. But is there anything I can do to improve the image of straight white men now? Or is it all a lost cause? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is repair at this point. What do you mean? Uh, it's not very preventative at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like the disease is already there. You right. can just treat it as best as you can. I think the biggest thing that people can do, not just men, but white people in general, straight people in general mm -hmm. can do is just call out other people in your circles. Like just because there's not a lesbian in your conference room, just because there's yeah. not a black person at the birthday party you're at, like call out people when they're being shitty about, about, people of other genders or sexualities or whatever. And it doesn't have to be like, dude, you fucking suck. That's rude. And like walk away. Yeah. It can just be like, Hey, that's, that's not, that's, you know, we don't call them that word. Mm -hmm. That's not the word we use. Or just be like, Hey man, that's not funny. You know? Okay. And I, I think that's the biggest thing you can do. And I mean, not, ev not everyone has energy for every single interaction like that. Yeah. There are a lot of discussions that come up with, a certain teacher of my that I work with at school that I just don't always have the energy for. Uh, that doesn't mean I say, yes, I agree. Sometimes I say, I don't have time for this today. Or I disagree with you in almost every way, but I don't have time to get into it right now or I don't have the energy for it. So you, even if you don't want to like get into a big debate with someone, you can just be like, I don't agree with that. And I, I don't have all the facts to argue with you right now, but... I don't think that's accurate or just don't laugh. Mm -hmm. Don't do that awkward, like white person chuckle 
when someone makes an, a joke that you're uncomfortable with, don't just like laugh it off. Like yep. either don't laugh or just be like, that's really not funny, man. I don't appreciate that. Or that's not appropriate. I think that's very good advice. I will take that on board. And I think that especially in white straight circles, people mm-hmm. uh, would rather maintain the peace uh, than call something out or, or made get made to feel awkward or the center of attention or something or or get made to feel like oh stupid snowflake or whatever like yeah but i think that's the problem like you can't only do it when there's uh, an audience around you like if this the type of communities that she that hannah was talking about that she was raised in Mm -hmm. that uh, i'm sure they were the pleasant nice white picket fence with the puppy community but deep down there's all of this uh hatred and um internalized homophobia and whatever else uh that is a problem and i'm sure it would not be a surprise to most people that are from that area they'd be like well yeah people make comments all the time Mm -hmm. and everyone just ignored it or laughed it off or agreed with it or whatever so i think the best thing that you can do is call it out when you see it and however you can even if that calling it out is just Hey, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like, let me get into the finer points of like sure. LGBT representation with you. It can just be like, that's not cool. Um, and also, like, if you are in a position of power or can influence a position of power, make sure that that people who aren't like you are getting equal opportunities for jobs and raises and mm-hmm. promotions and what have you. Make sure, like, just check your internal bias, even if it's not intentional, even if a lot of it is subconscious, check your bias and be like, am I assuming that person isn't working as hard because of the color of their skin? Or am I assuming that that person needs me to double check their work because they're a woman? Or, you know, just double check those assumptions that you're making, that they're not based on any sort of discriminatory standard. I think the best thing I have going for me is that I'm quite good at shutting up and listening, which I think when you get the right voices um, in the right places, then that's a good skill to have. Because mm-hmm. I don't pretend like I'm an expert on this stuff or I'm uh, I'm ready to preach it to other people necessarily. But you were the one who chose to have us watch that, so true. Like step one is trying to educate yourself, and if this is so, when I get to, to the good place yourself, at the end of the day, I'll get a bonus point for that maybe. I mean, you'll probably get, like, negative 100 for the energy that we use that kills the baby dolphins or whatever. Oh, gosh. Okay, Mike, sure. Thanks for that. (laughs) All right. I I think that conversation will extend into future episodes. I hope so. And I'm now adding the Nanette special to my core curriculum of wokeness. I need a better name for it. Yes, you do. Uh... No, you definitely need a better name. So start your children young. Have them watch Zombies, the Disney Channel original. Or adults can watch that because you watch it more than my students do probably. Uh, To teach them that different is not worse or bad. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's good. Celebrate your differences. There you go. Then move them on to The Hate You Give, Mm -hmm. book or movie format you choose. Mm Mm-hmm. To help them understand what happens when the rest of the world does not. Follow the zombies motto. There you go. And then throw them into some Nanette action. I would add Handmaid's Tale. 
the book, not the TV series. Sure. Uh, the book Handmaid's Tale, maybe once they're like in high school or college. And I would also add Dear White People. Um, not necessarily the whole TV series, but I think I've talked about it before, the, the um, police brutality episode was excellently done in a scary way. Okay. So those were the ones that have really left me shook, as they say. So, are we going to go into our book now? It's not the We've Hate got Eagles. a book to talk about. I think this was a book. I still really don't know what this was. I am going to be honest. I mostly made you read this book because I was very confused about it. And I needed to figure out if it was just a me thing or if it was the book. And I think it was the book. Yep. We both were left with very conflicting, confused feelings about this book. And I still can't decide if that's intentional, like it was a good thing or not. I think I ended up giving it a pure C because it was just so much in the middle of everything. I think I did the opposite and I gave it a B plus because I was like, I have a lot of feelings about this. So I'm going to assume those feelings mean that it was an affecting book. Um, I can give a, a summary maybe since I read it more recently. Sure. So this is a first person book. From the perspective of a high school senior mm -hmm. in California, specifically Cupertino, which is home to Apple headquarters uh, in Silicon Valley. So the protagonist is Danny Cheng, who is uh, Asian American. Mm -hmm. He lives with his two parents, mm -hmm. one of which um, is or was a... Um, college professor yes or works like at a college or something like that theoretical yeah. physics um and danny near the beginning of the book he's an artist although mm -hmm. the art plays like such a minimal role in this it's book it's in the background a lot for how much it seems to play into his personality and his future it's very uh shoved into the background yeah. what really spoiled this for me was i'll give you the sun a book we talked about yeah which is many episodes ago where that was the first time i had ever read a book and been like i can see the art being talked about well you don't see books anyway when you read them no but in this one it was like oh he's drawn a few things in his room Oh, he's he has draw, he has artist block. Now he can't draw. Well, yeah, part of it was that he had some sort of block. Do you okay? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When I read books out loud to you, do you Here see the book in your head, or do you hear the words? Neither really. I like. I really. <laughs> I really comprehend nothing Honestly, when I'm when I'm here. It. Yeah. I um, just think it's backwards because when I'm reading a book, I picture it in my head. When I'm listening to you read, because you read to me when I wasn't feeling good the other that day. That's good. I just hear the words. I don't picture it very much. Huh. And I think that's why I don't like audiobooks, is because I hear the words too much. Correct. Because when I'm reading it, I see the pictures. You're weird. You also don't hear voices in your head. Oh, we never said the name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> the book is called Picture Us in the Light. Pretty good title. Uh, by Kelly Loy Gilbert. And a good cover. Beautiful cover. Which has very little to do with the actual book. So Danny, early in the book, gets accepted to RISD uh -huh. um, for Rhode art. Island. Woo -woo. Sure. <laughs> um, but that's an early acceptance, mm -hmm. so we go through most of his senior year. One th 
thing I didn't like about this book is that it was too narrow in focus. Okay. I was expecting by the middle of the book he would be in college and this book would kind of stretch multiple years. It's a very long book for a very short timeline where not a lot happens. Correct. But a lot happens. Happens. That's a completely accurate description of this book. It's a, it's a an entire book of contradictions, really. I'm trying to see what they even put on this flap jacket so, to explain the plot. Let me see if I remember. So I read this like a while, a little while ago, uh-huh. like six months ago, probably after we came after we went to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, he, a lot of the plot centers around the fact that their friend died, and you don't really know how the friend died for a while. And pretty early, it's they're... confirmed as suicide. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they're planning kind of a soft protest. Because so the there's a handled it, and they, him, him and his group of friends work at the school newspaper, right. which hits me in a good spot. That's kaleidoscope like days. That. Yeah, so I enjoyed that part, but even that plot line is pretty pretty well stuck in the background. The part of the problem, or the intrigue, I don't know, of this book, is that it's very very introspective, Danny. It's like every thought and feeling that he ever has. Oh, I disagree with but, this a lot. <laughs> okay, but it's not at the same time. With a it's, very, very specific filter. Yes, it's very, <laughs> like, it's very in his head, I guess I should say. But you don't actually get a lot of feelings. Like, people love talking about unreliable narrators, like, in the context of Gone Girl. He's just a where, shitty narrator. But this is the most unreliable narrator I've ever read. Because, because there's no emotion. And we'll get into this maybe in a little bit, but there's a thread of silent homosexuality throughout the book. Yes, like implied homosexuality because he's like has a weird obsession with one of his friends and like yeah. doesn't have an obsession with any of the girls in the book. Correct. And that's what stood out to me is that if this book was truly first person in his head and he is a 17-year-old boy, he is fucking thinking about either dicks or vaginas all the time. And there is no hint of sexual interest at all. Yeah, there's kind of a weird obsession with his friend, but that doesn't ever cross the border into like lust. Which at is all. fine if that's if that's how he approaches it in real life, but there's no way he approaches it that way in his head. Yeah, I had issues with that too because I was like if I'm pretty sure he's gay. Yeah. Because of the way that he talks about his friend and the way that the narrator has conveniently left out any sort of romantic interest at all. Yeah. And then I was like, is he asexual? I would have found that fascinating. Because maybe that's the point, is that he's asexual, so he's, like, confused by his friend's relationship because he doesn't feel sexual attraction to other people. So that part was weird. Yeah. It was very first person, first person very limited. Yeah. In that you're almost, like only seeing it almost would have made sense if this was more like a journal and he was purposely telling you a certain part of the story good call instead of it being inside his head right it presents itself as this is this is danny at you know at his realist yeah but he leaves out so much even from his own head so yeah it almost would have made sense and i mean you can block things out of your head but not to that degree and not with the fact like there's a lot of stuff that he like unintentionally shares or thinks about about his family and the sure. feelings he has about his parents and his sister and um, all of this stuff. So he, it's not like he's trying to present this very 
edited version of his of his self. He has a lot of like not very flattering thoughts about yeah. his family and his family's life and some of his friends and their relationships and stuff. So it's just very strange that the author chooses to share a lot of personal thoughts and feelings about some topics and just completely avoid other topics. Yeah. Without it without it com without it having an intentional reason in the in the story. Yeah. Um but at the same time, <laughs> I was really invested in it. Like it hooked me and I wanted to know what was going to happen and, and how things were going to turn out and how he was going to sort his shit out. Yeah, I read it in like two or three sittings. Which is I, fast yeah. for you. But I wouldn't say I was hooked. It was some weird feeling where it was like, I don't know why I was reading, but I was not going to stop. Yes. That's what happened when I read it. It was a weekend when I really had other things to do. And I laid on that bed over there and like read the thing like... For a couple hours at a time. For two days. This because flap, I just couldn't this stop. This flap jacket is amazing. It's in three paragraphs. The first one says, Danny, seem, Danny seems to notice that his parents have secrets. Blah, 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 blah. He lives in, in the uh, Bay Area. Family secrets. Then there's a giant paragraph that talks about art, RISD, best friend, suicide, best friend's girlfriend. And then... The clincher of the the summary talks about parental secrets again. There's like no transitions at all. And at some parts, I was like, that's how life is. I get it. You have a lot going on in your head. And there's this college drama and high school drama and family drama all happening at the same time. I get that. Like, so on some level, I was like, I kind of like that there's not a strong central plot because... In life, it's not like, let me focus on this one thing and and everything else is a side plot. There is a lot that happens. But other times I was like, is it is it intentional? Or is it just like sloppy plotting by the author? I think it was sloppy. You should be her editor. The idea of doing it as diary entries would have been so good, especially because one thing I hated in this book was the use of flashbacks. Because like we said, the present tense here is so very narrow. It's like two to three months for 300 pages. Yeah. But they'll be talking about something mundane activity in the current day, and then we'll launch into a 20-page background. Like a three-chapter background. Yeah. My um. other favorite thing about this book was in the acknowledgments. Uh, thank you eternally to this person, blah, 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 for seeing and trusting and excavating the story lurking inside all the awful drafts. Sometimes I think about wanting to read early drafts by some authors. I do not want to read an early draft <laughs> of this book. Yeah, I think based on what we've just kind of workshopped here, I think this would have been better as diary entries because then you can understand, like especially if he was doing it as like some sort of like, uh, maybe it could have been like, when he finds his sister, he wants to tell her about what's going on in his life, so he writes these journals for her. Or mm -hmm. maybe he's writing them to share with someone. Or maybe he's writing them as, like, part of a college project. Like, somebody suggested that he, like, that this, your senior year is really important, so he keeps a journal throughout his senior year. And that would make more sense as to why he's giving such a edited version and only focusing on certain things. Basically, what we're getting at is this book is a hot mess. Yeah. And... I still felt really compelled by it and really cared about this character's journey and really wanted to see what happened. 
but I was like confused by it. There, there was both too much and too little going on at yeah. all times throughout the book. There was too many plot things that there wasn't, didn't really seem to be one narrative to focus on. But at the same time, there were things that were so obviously left out that you were like, how are you not getting into those things as well? The parent storyline, and we won't get into too much detail here, but it's a little bit absurd. The fact that they've built this life in this rich part of California and it all comes crumbling like in a matter of days. Oh, I didn't find that part absurd. Hmm. Um, I think that part I was fine with because I think they built it on a foundation of sand or however the metaphor goes. Like there was a lot of not stable foundation of their life. Yeah. And it doesn't shock me that when it started to fall apart, it really fell apart. Um, Danny makes some shitty choices. I thought the Dayx Machina of it all. Sure. Good Day XS Machina. You're close enough. Um, was that random friend of his from when he was little? Oh, yeah. When he was seven? Oh, no, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, I remember you, dude. Here's all the information you've been missing to fill out the holes in your plot yeah. line. Bye, right. Facebook. There's... <laughs> yeah, nothing more needs to be said. There's some <laughs> There's some very contrived sleuthing that happens like, in this book. If I just, like, found Timmy on Facebook, who I used to live next to you when I was eight years old... Is this your cruise uh, buddy or whatever? No, that's Melissa. Melinda. <laughs> Melinda. No, Timmy lived in this, uh, the door next door to me, and he was, like, my neighborhood best friend for, like, uh -huh. a hot second. Um, Rob was mine. For, like, a hot second? Oh, good year. Yeah, Timmy was, like, a year or so. And then he moved away, and I was devastated for, like, a hot second. Um... If I, like, found Timmy, he wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, here's your parents' full names. <laughs> He'd be like, who are you again? Yeah. Yeah, I used to live on that road. Stop really catfishing me. Did you have a pool? Like, yeah, I don't know. So some of that, for a book that had a lot going on, for so much of it to hinge on a random character thrown in for one second. Yeah. And for so much of it to be, like about like you said about art and about college but then it's not and there's a friend that commits suicide but that's not the main plot mm -mm. and then there's the parents and the sister but that's not the main plot and then there's the best friend who he's in love with spoiler alert which is the, the main ma plot sort of kind but of. it's like the it tries to be the uh, linchpin mm -hmm. the through line but it's so implied that it's not really because there's nothing explicit about it until like page literally whatever the last page is well, Becky Albertalli loves it, which I could have guessed without looking at the I cover. I only trust her one-third of the time. So. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, That's enough hot seconds about that book. Yeah, I don't know even what to say about the book. There were some parts of it that I really liked, and then a lot of it was just not well tied together, and I still don't know. You obviously are in the camp that it was not intentional. It was just sloppy. Yeah. I feel like part of it was intentional in terms of it feeling like a lot was going on because it does feel like a lot when you're a senior and, and yeah and you're saying it was like a form of realism almost a little bit a little bit of like um stream of consciousness type stream of life yeah so on in some respects us that, making but, up genres uh i don't know if anyone else has read this book 
let us know if it's just us. Help us figure it out. Or help us figure it out. I'm just glad that you read it and are just as puzzled as I was because... I'm glad I could be your guinea pig. Yeah, I just had a lot of feelings and I just needed to make sure that I wasn't the crazy one. Or we're both crazy, but at least we're together. Okay. Let's uh, do some upcomings. I only have one. I have a couple. Some of them are bad ones. Uh, Orphan Black, have you heard about this? Oh, yeah, it's on mine. Orphan uh, Black TV. I didn't read the full article. A follow-up series. So the BBC America wants to do an offshoot show, which will take place in the same universe, I guess. Um, How come we never found out about Kira being a superhero? I think there was some internet story about the kid got too fat and they took her off screen, which I thought was atrocious. Really? Yeah. But I wanted to know what happened to her. She could, like got hit by a car and she was fine. Yeah. And then they just... The show went off the rails when they couldn't get Cal, the dad, back because of a money dispute. Because he was on Game of Thrones. He got too popular. Right. Um, so that's fine. I don't. I didn't, never thought the universe of Orphan Black was its strength, though. Especially since, as we've joked about before, no one knew what the hell city they were in. So if that's the universe yeah. they made. Unless they're going to do something cool where they, like... Uh, do vignettes and like travel around to different places to find different clones like they kind of hinted at yeah. with Cosima. Um, my bigger thing though is is something I've talked about a lot in the context of Breaking Bad, which is just as the creators or the thinkers behind the show, like you really want to dig back in back into that well again. Okay, J.K. Rowling. Like, yeah, I guess I get it if it's brought you great success and notoriety like and it has a built in breaking fan base. bad it's a little bit lazy sure but yeah i don't know whenever i've finished a writing project i'm so eager to go in the complete opposite direction yeah anyways hit me with some of yours um sarah Dessen has a new book coming out the rest okay. of the story coming out this summer i'm mm -hmm. excited for that um sandra o oh is going to be on snl yep snl is so fucking bad though yeah but I think she could be good. I don't know. It might. Jost and that. Shay have to go. They're like the head writers. Got to go. The sketches are so fucking bad. Mulaney could not salvage an episode. Yeah. Is she on right now? Uh, Sarah Bareilles is also going to be on sometime. Is Sandra O oh on at ten thirty when we're podcasting? I don't right know. Now? Hmm. Um. Someone great. Some sort of. Gina Rodriguez movie that's going to be on Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, I'll watch whatever her face is in. You need to watch the season finale of... Um, the series finale of Portlandia. I'm pretty sure it was Tessa Thompson doing this hot exercise teacher. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jumanji sequel sequel? <laughs> okay. Never saw the first sequel. Um, I don't think it was actually meant to be a sequel. I think it was more of a remake. But there's going to be a sequel to that, apparently. Yeah. Um, Good Omens, the Neil uh, Gaiman yep. and Terry Pratchett, rest in peace, uh, thing. Mm -hmm. It looks fucking terrible. Some people are so excited about it. It looked so bad. Oh, I had another hot take from this week. Okay. Uh, there's a big fucking conspiracy about this Aladdin movie now. I am convinced. I'm in. I love it. No, you are you got possessed too. Yep. All of these headlines immediately popped up and said, Will Smith's genie is no longer a meme. The new live-action Aladdin trailer gives us something to sing about. 
It it looked like complete shit still. I mean, Will Smith sounded like complete shit. I put it in you, all caps a lot. <laughs> you never had a friend like me. He didn't I even hit the note right. In all caps. What did you like about this trailer? I don't like the genie still. He creeps me out. But the rest of it, I I really liked it. It captured the magic. It was all like Bollywood. Well, that's kind of racist. It was all like yeah. very like got cool Arabian dancers and stuff. And like the one jump scene where he's like running around. There was five seconds of parkour. And the princess with the tiger. Good tits. And then a whole new world. I was into it. I'm back on board. No, I'm no. I'm back on board. You're brainwashed. Did you watch the trailer? Three times. I didn't understand why it was. I'm going to make it, you watch it right now. It's not that good. We're going to see it live if the break has to be on your, your phone, mine's dying. All right, let's play it. Here comes the parkour. Is he going to be singing during this? It doesn't look like it. It's the best song. How can they not have the song, the singing? She's pretty, though. She's pretty. Jafar. Not the right accent, I don't think. Aladdin's voice is good, though. Bring me the lamp. Here he comes. Blue Will Smith. What do you say at the end? I'm kidding. Watch, Watch this. this. You don't. You're not into this. Still don't get this joke. creates a prince over there. Like he makes I thought it was going to be a prince joke, like oh. Minnesota prince. I don't know if I buy their buddy comedy, though. Yeah. Look at her, though. Do you trust me? I'm all for her scenes. This part doesn't do it for you? It's a fantastic song, so it gets me. montage? You got nothing out of that montage. You love Aladdin. It's coming out right near your you birthday. Know, you know what it's missing. What? Proud of your <laughs> boy. No, no, no one was ever missing that. Why don't they just record Broadway shows and show them in theaters? That would be so much cheaper. Yeah. Oh, anyways, is that it for today? I think the people have already turned it off at this point, probably. Uh, but that's all I had, yeah. Okay. Peace and love. I'm going to make you see that for your birthday, and we'll come back and report. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye!